Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening in with us today on our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. Our podcasts are brought to you by the Military Child Education Coalition, whose work is focused on ensuring quality educational opportunities for all military-connected children affected by mobility, family separation, deployments, and transition. Here at the MSEC, we want to ensure that every military child is college, workforce, and life ready. In our podcast, we will share your stories as we talk to military service members, professionals, parents, and military kids. Please like, share, and subscribe. And we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about. Welcome, everyone, to our podcast for the sake of the child. My name is Susan Sellers. I'm a spouse of an active duty service member, parent to three military kids, master parent-to-parent educator, and now a podcast host at the Military Child Education Coalition. Today, we're going to talk to Major Chevy Cook about the importance of investing in your community and how volunteering can have a lasting impact. Chevy Cook co-founded Military Mentors and is a U.S. Army officer currently living in Boston, Massachusetts, as he pursues his doctoral studies at Tufts University. A long-serving member of the Special Operations community, he started his career in the 82nd Airborne Division and has served the majority of his career at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. In addition to serving as a tactical officer and a Department of Behavioral Sciences and Leadership Instructor at the United States Military Academy. He is also a member of the American Psychological Association, the Carmody Council for Ethics and International Affairs, Team RWB, and the Council on Foreign Relations. Chevy, thank you again for chatting with us. For our listeners, Chevy was recently on the show with his dynamic daughter in London talking about some of the challenges military kids face. And like your daughter, Chevy, you've made a point in your career to give a voice to our military community and to some of the obstacles our families and soldiers often face. Would you share with our listeners what drives you to do this so passionately? Um, Well, this is going to sound weird, but I I think I'm actually not that passionate. Um, I, I, I read this book by Ryan Holiday, and it, the title of it is Ego is the Enemy. He kind of differentiates passion from purpose, whereas passion is kind of this unbridled fire we, we may have that it can, can at times be uncontrolled. I, I feel like I'm more purpose-driven with this um, building up of others and, and connection for others. And some, some years ago, I was inspired to actually sit down and write what I felt my purpose was. And I think my purpose is I feel like I'm purpose-built to serve others. And that would explain why I would, you know, be in the military. That would explain why I would start a nonprofit. You know, that's that would explain, I think, a lot of things in my life. So I, I, I would I would say I'm, I'm purpose-driven. And, and I am, if I'm uh, fired up about anything, I, if I'm fired up about my purpose. Does that make sense? It does, and I really love how you made the distinction um, in mentioning the book, uh, Road from Ego. I think you said it was Ego is the Enemy, and I really like how you made the distinction between um, being passionate versus being purpose-driven. And I would definitely agree with you that I think oftentimes people in the military are purpose-driven because they're wanting to build up others, as you mentioned. And from your experiences with the military, you mentioned a nonprofit just a second ago, you did see the need for a mentorship program. And I would love to talk about 
the non the nonprofit that you created called Military Mentors. Can you share what made you to decide uh, to stand this organization up? Well, it, it starts with a, a story of, about a young young guy named Jim. So, when I was at the United States Military Academy, uh, my undergraduate institution uh, that's in uh, West Point, New York, uh, yeah, I was a cadet and I had to do my time during the summer uh, leading folks um, that come that were coming into the academy. So, in comes Jim. You know, I'm a I'm a junior. He's a he's a, a freshman coming in. In comes Jim. He's gangly. He's awkward. He has on these glasses that he can barely see through because they're so thick. And I'm helping correct his kind of military movements. And he saluted, I think, if I remember right, with the wrong hand. So you know, a lot of us. I came in that way too to the military academy, not knowing what I was doing with myself. And we have leaders that kind of take care of us. So at the end of that summer. Jim and the other people who were in my little unit, I just kind of told them, hey, we're going to go off to different things when the academic year starts. Just maintain a relationship with me if you if you want to. Well, Jim was one of those people who stayed in contact. And Jim, you know, would come to me with questions about what he should major in or what he should do with his summers. And then I graduated. And then he started asking me questions about, well, what's the Army like? You know, how, how is it being a lieutenant, a, a young leader? Then he graduated, and then it became, hey, how do I do this Army thing? We've been talking for some years. And and those conversations just continued, and they just grew into, you know, we both got married, and then it became questions about, you know, our marriages and how to be a leader at home just as much as we were in, in the uniform. Eventually, he noted to me, he was like, Chevy, I've been having these conversations with you for years but I haven't had them with my own leaders, and I count you as a mentor. And I feel like there's some gap or problem out there in the Army where we're, we don't know how to be mentors, and we, we don't also know how to be mentees, how to look for mentors. So I want to I do something about it. And I was like, well, what you got, Jim? And he, he came up with this, kind of con- this concept of, of making a nonprofit and focusing on you know, the developmental aspects of mentorship. And at first when he was talking to me about it, he was just really seeking my mentorship. And then eventually on the phone one day he says, hey, why don't you help found this thing with me? I'm, I count you as my, my original mentor, and here I am getting mentorship about starting this mentorship nonprofit. Why don't you just co-found it with me and we'll run it together? So that's how it started about five years ago. Through those uh, long, it was a long process cooking between us. I think. Then he just kind of came out and said, "Hey, let's start this thing together." And bada boom, bada bing, here we are. Well, I must say that's amazing. And talk about a purposeful connection uh, between yourself and Jim, and what that can really lead to. Um, you know, after you left, co- you know, left after you left college, and you both went on your different paths, and so. The the purpose of military mentors is to to create that mentorship program. As you mentioned, you saw we're seeing a gap in the military community. What else would you like to share with our listeners about the organization and its purpose? So um, I think I would like to share a couple short things. The so we we see that there's a gap, there's a challenge out there uh, in in self development and in organizational development. And this is from my own experiences in the military, but this is also from 
from research and reading and talking and going uh, to a variety of different places and, and, and uh, speaking with leaders and followers about, about these gaps. There was a study done a couple years ago, about 2011, that asked people about development, about how to develop others and about how to self-develop as well. And in this study, only about a third of the military members that were surveyed said they knew what they needed and they knew how to develop themselves. And we, we think that's a, that's a problem, right? Because what ends up happening is self-development uh, becomes this kind of after afterthought. You know, we just expect the unit that you're in or the organization you're in to take care of your development. But then when you get to the unit, like kind of Jim's story earlier, is, you know, people just want you to do work. So mentorship, leader development, leadership development becomes an afterthought. So that's the challenge we see and that we want to take on. And we, the way we take it on is a focus on two areas, stretching the conversation about leader development and then changing the conversation about leadership development. Now, there's a difference between the two. Leader development focuses on individual knowledge, skills, and abilities. Leadership development talks about those social aspects. How do we develop people to be leaders with other people, right? How do we develop your group dynamics, your ability to interact in a social-emotional way with others? How do you have empathy and resilience? Those things are not necessarily individual characteristics, but they're, you know, magnifying your individual attributes, um, and, and the last thing I would maybe share about us before answering some other questions is that you, we're in all the normal spaces. So you can, you can find us on all the normal uh, social media spaces, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, et cetera. Um, but what you, what you should know that even though we're in those spaces and we, we may look trendy, the difference between our organization and many others is that we focus on both the art and the science of mentorship and this leadership stuff. So the art piece is, you know, the experience, it's the war stories, it's the um, the old heads, if you will, the mentors talking to the young leaders, the junior leaders. Um, but it's also the science. So I, I've, uh, uh, a lot of us have a background in this, um, in this arena, and I in particular have, have studied psychology for a long time a long time. I'm currently in a doctoral program and we take, you know, I take directly what I learned from my program out and inject it directly into uh, this organization. So while we may be talking war stories and stuff, I also know and we also know the science and the theory behind why this stuff works and how it can how we can make organizations better. The theory is just as important as the real life experiences. When you pair those two together, that's how you get exponential development. So that's what we focus on. Fascinating. Really fascinating, Chevy. And I know um, we had talked in an earlier podcast when we were discussing with London, your family values. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that one of the ways that you invest um, through this organization and throughout our military community is through guest lectures and, and talking about stretching um, leaders and changing of the leadership, as you mentioned. I'm curious, in some of the topics that are specific are character, inclusion, and leadership itself, if you had to pick something that could be relatable to kids, 
since we're sort of a kid-centric uh, podcast series, as well as soldiers or service members who are parents, what would that be and why? I think it's a, it, a good lesson for both military parents and, and their children is that um, leading and following both sides of the coin, they start at home. A lot of times we think, well, you know, I put on my uniform and then and then I then I become the leader when I'm at work. Or if I'm a kid, oh, you know, well, I'll, I don't have to really follow or maybe I don't even have to lead until I get to school and get on a team or I get in a classroom and have to listen to my teacher. Both of those concepts, leading and following, start at home. My wife told me a while ago that I, there's no way I could be a good leader in uniform if I wasn't also a good leader at home. Think think about like a lesson about like leading by example. You would think the military teaches a parent, a service member that very well. And I, I think I think by and large we do a good job of that. But I really didn't understand leading by example until I had babies in my house that I couldn't talk to because they can't speak yet. And they were literally hanging off my pants leg, mimicking exactly what I was doing. That's when you really le- realize what leading by example is about. So that's something I would give the parents. For, for the kids that are out there, um, there, there's a great quote by this lady named Margaret Rios that she says simply, a leader isn't a leader unless they have followers. So kids, yeah, you can't lead a home if if, if you don't um, – if the kids aren't following, if you if you you can't ever learn about leading by example if they're not mimicking you. So, I think followership is very very important for kids as that first step of understanding leadership, right? Understanding how to follow somebody, then you can figure out how to lead. And um, I've learned more from my kids following me um, than any training or any other experience I've been in the military. So that followership peace is very important and I think kids need to could you know they really need to see that that by them following their parents by them doing the right thing in the home by them following maybe their their family values if they have them they're actually helping their parents be good leaders you know I think that's really interesting that you shared that that the leading and the following start at home uh, because there's a, a phrase that we use oftentimes at MSEC at our webinars saying that children learn more by what you do than rather than what you say. And what you just um, said actually just sort of completely reiterated that concept to me. So thank you so much for uh, for that advice. Mm-hmm. And what makes our podcast unique is about telling stories. Do you have any final inspirational stories or messages for our listeners that you'd like to share? Yeah, I, I'll tell a story about Danny and and make this um you know make this mentorship piece uh, come all together. I, I guess um. I was I was uh, introduced to Danny when he was about 14 years old and when I was about 19. So this is two decades ago for me. And I was just coming home from West Point, you know, trying to talk back to my high school, um, trying to tell them about my experiences at West Point, you know, this far-off land in New York, um, me being from South Carolina. And Danny came up to me as a freshman um, and said, hey, I want to do that too. I want to I go to West Point. 
And and Danny, I mean, and he would laugh if if I was telling if he hears the story. I, he had gold teeth, and and he was you know kind of chilling and, and didn't really look like he fit the the West Point mold, if you will. But he was serious about it. So I you know I said, hey, yeah, let, let's let's keep chatting. So we exchanged numbers, and lo and behold, he started doing things in high school as the years went by that really aligned him up to go to West Point. He was serious about it. He started, you know, his grades were phenomenal. Um, uh, he got active in the community. He got active in sports. I mean, he just, he was lining himself up to um, to try to, you know, follow my same path. Then when Danny was about to be a senior, his house burned down. And in that house was his father who died. And and Danny was distraught. Danny called me and 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 made it very clear that you know that West Point thing was going to go away because he wasn't going to college. Um, he didn't think he was going to finish high school. He needed to support his family. And everyone around him, to include his mom, was like, "Talk some sense into this boy. He needs to get away from here. He needs to do this West Point thing." So I talked to him. And you can guess how the story uh, continues, right? He does go to West Point. He graduates. He comes into the Army. And many, many moons later, we're both on Fort Bragg at the same time, never served together, but I stood on a field and I watched him take charge of an infantry company and the 82nd Airborne Division, which is one of the most historic units in the Army. So I watched him go from a 14-year-old to his dad dying and him questioning his path to staying on the path so much so that I saw him take charge of a company. And then when he finished up that company command time, I saw him get into uh, a selective MBA program, which he just completed uh, about a year ago. That's the type of mentorship um, we're talking about in military mentors. And that yes, that's a personal story from me. But now that I understand mentorship, and now that I understand that there's an art and a science behind it, I know why our relationship worked out. If you want, if people out there want to know more about um, how to make that happen in their own life, I was I would encourage them to reach out to our organization or just look for uh, other mentorship organizations out there. But it all starts with wanting to do something about the next generation. And that next generation doesn't always have to be in your home. It can be that kid that walks past your house every day that, you know, maybe looks a little disheveled or maybe looks like he doesn't have, he's kind of listless or something, and maybe you just want to go check on him. And you never know where 20 years later that person could be, just like Danny and I. Wow, Chevy, I just want to thank you very much for sharing that very moving story about yourself and about Danny. I can't think of a better example of how someone has invested not only in their community, but also in the future of our military. So thank you very much for your knowledge and expertise uh, today that you've shared with our listeners. It really has been a pleasure uh, learning more about the Military Mentor Program. And for our listeners, that website is www.militarymentors.org, and we'll certainly include the website information in our show's notes today. And, Chevy, I just want to wish you the best of luck with your doctorate work. Uh, I think we're going to be seeing more and more of Chevy and 
this mentorship program. And I want to thank all our listeners for joining us today. Please like, share, and subscribe. We always appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you'd like to hear more about. Have a great day. So sometimes we keep the audio running, and sometimes the best stories come after the podcast. You're going to be able to listen into a conversation that Chevy and Susan had after the podcast, but I found it so compelling that I wanted to share a little bit of it with you. I hope that you enjoy it as much as I did. Um, I, I felt like I you no. know, got some good information out there and had a good story or two. I think so. I think I think Danny was the home run. It really was. Um, that's a true. That's I, a I, real story. Like I, I, I got to tell you, I got, I got a little, I got a little teared up. So, <laughs> so I may have to redo the ending. But that was that could have not. You could not have wrapped it up more beautifully than that story, as as they say. So, um, so, so I, I, I cut it that. short. I cut it a little short because I could go on and on about Danny. But you, you know something else you should know about Danny. Danny. Um, Guess guess what Danny does with me now? We still go back to AC4. We still go back to my high school. I, I haven't missed a year in 20 years. We still go back, and, and Danny goes with me. Danny goes with me back to the same high school. And, again, we've not, never served in the same unit, and the only time we were together, were, we were on brag for like one year at the same time. Um, but Danny goes back, and he tells that story too. Like he stands up in front of people and says, hey, listen to what we're saying because I listened to this guy two decades ago and look at look at where I am. So it's not just, you know, we're, we're truly connected to brothers and he's doing the same thing. He's out there doing the same thing, trying to connect. Well, I think it's a great example. I mean, it's a truly personal example of what you were talking about being a leader and also being a follower and mm-hmm. and how those two there's two part, you know, that partnership is sort of cyclical because Danny obviously went from being a follower to now he's being a leader mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. he's going back home with you and he's sharing his story, which in turn is reinvesting back into the community and making those connections with those kids. Because that's in, you're, it's in South Carolina, right? If I remember yes. reading mm-hmm. the bio. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I just think that's just a great testimony to the, the whole concept of of leading and following. So I just wonderful. And is Danny still in? Yes, Danny's still in the military. He he works um he actually works in the Pentagon right now. Chevy, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I want to thank you again for listening to our podcast for the sake of the child. We would like to invite you to visit our website at www.militarychild.org. Like the MSEC on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Please join us again next time as we share more stories that impact our military-connected kids.